Podcast. This is the Gaslit Woman's Guide to Conquering the Corporate World. We are two sisters armed with facts and statistics, and we're destigmatizing the plight of the working person. Mm, I like that. I'm Lisa. And I'm Jennifer. We're together again. Doobity doops. Together again. We haven't recorded since April 3rd. It's been three weeks exactly. How are you feeling Eight today? Seconds. I feel great. I feel that's great. Nice. I'm tired. I'm sorry. That's not... That's not out of the norm. No. Um, do we have any housekeeping or current events we wanted to start off with? Um, I do have something that I want to talk about, but it's kind of sad. So I can either, we can start off on a sad note and, and move to a high note. It's really up to you. You're like, eh. Oh, so tempting. <laughs> I mean, like, so can we just be super sad right now? It's, yeah, let's yeah. be sad. You want, is that what you want to do? Sure. Okay, I want to talk about Debani Escobar. So okay. this is, this was an 18-year-old girl, an 18-year-old Mexican girl. And so it was 14 days ago she disappeared. She went to a party and the last known footage of her was her taxi driver. I'm guessing it's like a like an Uber sort of a thing. Dropped her off literally in the middle of a highway. They had a fight in the car. Lord only knows what it was about because now yeah. Debani is dead. And he took up this taxi driver, took a picture of her standing on the highway. That's the last picture of her that's ever been taken. And her body was found in, I think, like the cesspit of a hotel. So while the Mexican authorities were looking for Debani, they found the bodies of five other women and girls. In the same place? Not in the same place, but in the same state. So Mexico is broken up into many different states. And four of those victims were 16 or younger. And the killing of women in Mexico has risen in the last year. Uh, In 2020, it was 977 cases of recorded femicide, not what actually has happened. And it's gone up to uh, just over 1,000, so 1,015 in 2021. And they're classified as femicide when women are killed because of their gender. But the killing of women overall is a much higher figure. And the disappearance of women in Mexico and in Latin... Well, look, this is a global problem. I want to talk about Mexico because Mexico is a place we grew up very close to. And mm-hmm. it's a place whose culture really intertwined with our Southern California culture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so this hit very close to home because I know that femicide and I know that the disappearance of girls and women is massive and only getting more of a problem it's just there's already this year it's april 24th today there's 1600 missing women and girls so the state that in mexico that Debani was from was nuevo leon and the state prosecutor went on record as saying that most women disappear voluntarily or as an act of rebellion and he said the main reason for the disappearances of women is because of a lack of communication with their families because of disputes with them, because of the rebellion of young people. The range of age of most of the women who disappear is 14 to 25, but it's not due to a crime. It's a voluntary situation. Jesus Christ. And this has flown under the radar for me. Like, I only got this because I went on to Google, and when I was starting to type something in, I happened to misspell something, and I happened to type something that looked like Dabani. And Dabani Escobar is the name of, of the girl that's, whose body has just been found. And so oh I my mind is not blown. 
I am not shocked. I am not surprised. But I just want not to start this off on a downer, but I just want to say to anyone who listens to this podcast and is like, maybe the takeaway is that we're harping on about something that like when we talk about the patriarchy, we talk about misogyny. It's something of the past. People look at it as something from the past because look, we have rights, right? We can vote. We can walk around. No. Femicide is a huge ongoing issue. Not just in Latin America, not just in North America, not just in India, where it's also a big problem. Many, many countries and states around the world, it's it's just a big problem. And we need to start talking about it more. Yeah. Um, and well, another yeah. thing from that story, not yeah. to cut you off, no. it says that her father, Mario Escobar, said that prosecutors told him that the surveillance camera footage suggested the driver inappropriately touched his daughter. Yeah. And he said, I suppose that my daughter did not put up with the harassment. The driver has been questioned, though his full name has not been released. Um, and the father says, well, the driver may not have killed her, he's responsible for his daughter's death. But it's very interesting to me that he took a picture yeah. and then and then she was found near there and there to, were five other bodies found near there. That's, that's in that the, says in, to me... In Nuevo Leon, in the state, in the state of Nuevo Leon. Okay. That's, uh, that's just in that one state, just in that week. The fact that he took a picture... As if to well, we prove. Went, yes, as if to prove his innocence. Yeah, that's I'm innocent. I didn't do anything mm-hmm. wrong. No, you left an 18-year-old on the side of the highway next to a truck stop. Well, and that just makes me wonder if there's like a network. Oh. I mean, obviously, right? Yeah. Like if this is something he does. Who knows? But I think so that disgusting. he should be more than questioned. He should be in jail. And not just, well, 100%. And also, like, they're, they're the femicide of women and girls is we had some of the deadliest or most violent ridden violence ridden years with the pandemic yes because of domestic violence as well yep 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 and then like there's been just it's been open killing season on trans women as well i was gonna say that next amazing yes no that's what i was gonna say next is we talk Mm -hmm. about we're talking about women and girls and we're not putting any kind of connotation in front of it like cis women cis girls but look trans Mm -hmm. girls trans women this is like a much more nuanced conversation that needs to happen because of the way that when trans kids if they are not supported in their family and they're rejected from their family and sent out to live on their own to support their themselves they often fall into sex work and they end up being put in precarious situations where their lives are constantly in danger that i think that's a facet of sex work anyway but also well, the and fact with trafficking yes and trafficking yeah that's a really good point and then being in a position where they are with a john i guess comes to them and they find out in quotes that this person is a trans woman or trans girl mm-hmm. and then there is a uh there's actually a term for it and i don't know it off the top of my head but the reactionary killing because they've been tricked in quotes and there's obviously a lot of other threads that go into the numbers behind trans women and trans girls, particularly black trans women, particularly black trans girls, having such a high mortality rate because of the way that they have to exist in the world because we treat trans people with such a lack of respect and love and care and understanding and they are literally just people. Mm. I was trying to find the term. Oh my gosh, Jenny. Because yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah, it's I know. It's definitely used as a justification, but I can't find it, of course. Mm. There was just a, a, um, a military man that was let off for killing trans woman in, was it in the Philippines? I don't know. I haven't read about Somewhere. this. Somewhere. Anyway, it was a while ago. 
but he, he just, he got off scot-free because it was justified. Fair quotation marks justified. I just, I need people to like grasp this. Anytime you see this kind of a situation where we feel like it's okay to kill another person because we don't agree with their gender expression, that's fucking crazy. That lets you know. And if you're in your head, you're going, oh, well, they must have lied about something. It doesn't matter. It's like when the police come and shoot a, black, a young black man in the back when he's lying down on the ground, they shoot him in the, in the back of the head. Right. That just happened a week yeah. or two ago. That's yeah. not okay. It doesn't matter what you've done. The police are not judge, jury, and executioner. Just like any person who comes into contact with trans people, they do not get to enact any kind of justice that they personally choose. That's not how the world works. Yeah, that's not how the world works. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. And anything that, if, if you ever see a situation, if you ever find yourself agreeing with a situation where you feel like violence against women is justified, um, I think that I think that you need to take a look at that. Because oh my God. Um, I've seen a lot of <clears throat> posts about this actually segues into the, the first topic I wanted to oh. talk about, Lisa. So we're just going to go through the back door. Are you going to tell um, people that I don't know? I'll get there. I'll get okay. there. <laughs> so we're trying a new thing for a couple episodes where I kind of spring the topic on Lisa. Because I mm-hmm. love when she's thrown off her guard a little bit and she doesn't have time to research. So we'll just try it. Um, because her two mini sets have been very research heavy. I'm going to give her little research fingers a break and just use her brains. <laughs> okay. um, it's going to be so, I've seen a lot of posts about toxic femininity lately using Amber Heard and using uh, Jada Pinkett Smith as like reasons why like men are abused too. And so like just calling it toxic femininity and using that as a justification for like, well, see, men are abused too. But like, okay, so you can, first of all, like, let's just, we'll get back to how fucking ridiculous it is. Yeah. But also like. You have two examples. There are hundreds of thousands of women who millions. are subjected to millions. violence. Millions. Right. Millions. right. Hundreds right. of subjected millions. To... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go. Research fingers. So there's lots of ladies who have been, women and girls who have been subjected to violence at the hands of men, and the numbers are not even comparable. So, yes, men are victims of domestic violence men are victims of hate crimes men are victims of abuse and harassment but not nearly in mm. the numbers that that um women and those who identify as women not that they're two different people but women we just want to make sure that we're being very like inclusive yeah. um, women and those who identify as women and non-binary folks as well that are subjected to violence at greater rates than men are period and our work is focused on women and marginalized groups, not necessarily like violence against men, period. So there are plenty of accounts you can follow that are, there are a lot of channels that talk about toxic masculinity and the effects of that on society. And so definitely seek those out and follow those. That's where you want to go. But talking about toxic femininity and like throwing out examples as kind of excuses for Men are faced with violence as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. On men being faced with violence? No, just like the, the toxic femininity. Okay, can like I... Can I, I, I for toxic femininity. I know we've talked about it before. We have. But what, what I would say is that the reason why toxic femininity isn't a thing is because when we talk about toxic masculinity, we're talking about a facet of the patriarchy. And we're talking about a power differential. 
So the reason why, and and I am not saying that it is like racism, but there are there are dovetails with racism because when we're taught, this is the same reason why there's not reverse racism, because the idea of racism, just as the idea of misogyny, is that the the group with the overwhelming amount of power, the disproportionate amount of power, they are preying on people or groups that have less power in the situation. And that power differential is what makes it systemic. It what It's what makes it so harmful and creates so many obstacles. I mean, look, there is, I have an amazing quote from Barry Deutsch. This is in our book, by the way. You should buy our book when it comes out. Well, it's not out yet. It's going to be out so soon. Um, Barry Deutsch adapted Peggy McIntosh's white privilege checklist because he wanted to detail his own male privilege and publish it. Oh, my gosh. The quote he puts in the start of the checklist is, I, I, the reason why I'm reading it is because I don't think there's anything you can say back at the end of it. Okay. Pointing out that men are privileged in no way denies that sometimes bad things happen to men. In the end, however, it is men and not women who make the most money. Men and not women who dominate the government and the corporate boards. Men and not women who dominate virtually all of the most powerful positions of society. And it is women, not men, who suffer the most from intimate violence and rape, who are the most likely to be poor, who are on the whole given the short end of patriarchy's stick. As Marilyn Fry has argued, while men are harmed by the patriarchy, Women are oppressed by it. Hmm. What are you going to say after that? You ain't got none to well, say. There's our, there's, our for, <laughs> there's our quote for our ad. <laughs> when you're ending, go ahead and lift that puppy out. Uh, okay. um, Perfect. I, I don't know that there's anything else to say other than that. Because that's kind of the beginning and the end of the conversation. You can't tell me, anyone coming to this argument, they can't tell me that what he's just said there is not right. He is a white man recognizing his full white male privilege. And he's using that knowledge to tell other men, all of the other, not all men, all of the other, but what about men who, and and can I just say, men who talk, who raise up issues of men being harmed by domestic violence and men being harmed by any other kind of situation that tends to disproportionately affect women, if you're only bringing that up in a situation where a woman or a girl has been, or a person who presents in a feminine way, has been harmed or killed, and you're not fighting this battle every day of your life, that's whataboutism. You're shifting the conversation because you don't want to feel the blame. You don't want to feel the guilt of what naturally goes with having white privilege, having male privilege. And look, I know it's not easy. It's not easy to carry that understanding that you perpetuate and benefit from systemic prejudice, from mm-hmm. systemic discrimination, from racism, from misogyny. I Nobody wants to feel like they're getting unearned benefits. Well, sure. But when you feel, when you are really in your privilege without being aware of it, you you just come to expect it. Like, that's how the world should be, right? Yeah. Um, so when you question... When, when what's you that sh- quote? Like, when yeah, the I know you're <laughs> faces equity, they feel oppressed or something. Oh, yeah, honey. I what do know. I do know what you're talking about. So I totally agree with what you're saying about men and men bringing up the violence. But here's the the hard left where I actually wanted to start the episode where we're going to come. We're coming up from the back, Ooh. the bottom of this. What I've seen, and actually I've had a couple people reach out to me about it and ask why we haven't talked about it <gasps> or ask if there's an episode they can listen to about it. Really? Is 
self-hating women and women mm. versus women, the women that... Pick me. Yeah, but I think that that kind of lets them off the hook a little bit by giving them like a teeny bopper... No, no. But but, but what I want to say is like, I want to read the two things that were sent to me about this. And so I guess the topic of the conversation, I really, the crux that I really wanted to get to was the women versus women. I was kind of talking to Alex last night about what I wanted to talk to with you about today. And he's like, yeah, there's that quote from Madeline Albright. So, and we'll get there. Oh, there's a special place in hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Madeline Albright, by the way. Who, okay, yep, yep, yep. go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get, we'll get there, we'll get there. Okay. Because um, that quote, that, that quote is is definitely misquoted many times, and she's given a little bit too much credit for that. And also, so. she's she had no issues. Yeah. yeah, she's a fucking war criminal. No yeah. thank okay. you. Okay, yeah, go. So, <clears throat> I have a very, very beautiful <sighs> friend who is in the fitness industry, so she posts pictures on her feed of herself. She's also a marathon runner and, like, runs marathons and like doesn't just finish them like she wins them like she's one of those wow. <laughs> so like an amazing warrior and anyway so she posts pictures of herself to like raise her following and that's and so on one of her stories she posted something like showing her in a pink bathing suit she wrote hard work pays off in fitness and like she works really hard and she shows us that she works really hard so what a woman commented on her page or commented on her story whole life and so this is someone that follows her if she gets her story right and so my friend wrote back just a question mark to this person and she wrote back you look like you're selling yourself literally and she does it's just a cute picture but like here's another woman that's following her so like for what reason and just to tear her down or to call her a hoe or whatever and then and then my friend wrote back you know nothing about me but thank you for the feedback i wish you much love and blessings which that's a nice answer. I would have probably gone off a little bit more. Mm. So that's one. And so she wrote to me and she said, uh, she said, I would love to hear a podcast about misogynistic women. It seems I encounter more misogynistic women than men these days. And so I sent her the, epi- the part two episode of the patriarchy. Yeah. When we first got started, because we kind of talked about the different types of women, but I think there's a different issue here. Mm. And then I had another text from a woman who said, you know, I'm excited. I've been in corporate America for 23 years. Climbing the ladder hasn't been easy. Most CEOs haven't helped, but probably the saddest part is that most women in positions of leadership haven't helped other women, but yep. we keep trying. Yeah, yeah. So that's from two different women at two different ends of like the kind of the corporate or work scale. One is much further along in her career. And we, I, I've heard this a lot of times for the people that are sick that from people that talk to me about their jobs that a lot of women are saying lately, like it's actually the women that are the hardest, that are the biggest hurdles that I face in my corporate life. And I have to say that when I reported my boss for sexual harassment, all the men in my circle were so apologetic and supportive and wonderful about it. They said stupid stuff, but they were open to having a conversation when they said things they shouldn't have said about it because, you know, we're all conditioned, right, to be like, well, it's not that big of a deal, right? Um, But a lot, but for a lot of women who had faced harassment at the hands of this man that I reported, they shut down completely and I became like the bad guy. So I kind of just wanted to talk through like what your thoughts were. I know that that's a big issue that I'm throwing. There's like a, so many, it's multifaceted, right? Yeah. 
but it feels like a lot of women are feeling this way lately. And I think that it's just an in- interesting, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the things I brought up, but I know I threw a barrage at you. You did. So first of all, I just want to separate that corporate behavior from the behavior in the wider world. Cause I think that there's yeah. elements in the corporate world that we've spoken about before. And I'd like to keep that separate. So I want to start with the main issue, which is this is internalized misogyny. All of us, everyone in a patriarchal society, you cannot be raised to full adulthood without hating women. You can't. You run like a girl. You act like a girl. Don't be a girl. Don't be a pussy. You're going to let her talk to you like that. You're going to be whipped. You're going to be that, you know, all of those. There's so many different facets in within the way that we talk to each other, the way that men relate to each other, the way that women relate to, don't be too girly. Why are you so big on pink? Some girls really go full Mm. in on the pink. They like Mm. it. They like that Mm. femininity. They're going full, hard into like, you know, uh, what was her name from Legally Blonde? I want to call her Babette Schwartz. Obviously that was not her name. Oh, I was just watching an interview by Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Um, So like, she's someone who, Elle Woods, she's someone who like went full, like, head to toe, fully into it, not ashamed of it, not ashamed of the fact that she likes the things that are within our society deemed to be feminine. She likes it. She's not going to be torn down by it. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. The other Mm -hmm. end of the scale is when you don't want to be like the other girls. I'm not like the other girls. That's a really common (sighs) pick me thing to say Mm -hmm. because you recognize or you have been taught that women are less than. Women Mm -hmm. are not as good as, and so you need to separate yourself. Oh, I don't care about pink. Oh, I really like to watch sports. Oh, I, you know, all the things that we deem to be tied to masculinity, they're down Mm -hmm. with that. Oh, I can't be friends with other women because they're so shallow and dramatic and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, or girls are just, girls are just bitchy. That's another conversation about the way in which the patriarchy encourages women to view other women and girls as, as competition. That's another conversation. So girls are bitchy to girls. Women are bitchy to women because we mm-hmm. view other women as competition instead of sisters. So but that's that. because the media and politically and religious yeah. folks and all of that like set women up against each other yep. so that we don't see like the bigger problem. There's always like some dumb cat fight that like People Magazine or Variety or like any of those garbage rags, constant. It's celebrity yeah, culture yeah. too. It's that it's that loving, that adoration of people who you feel are in at a, at a higher station than yourself, which, you know, that's something we can talk about at another time because there's so many yeah. threads that come into that. That is, mm-hmm. you know, it's very damaging, that celebrity culture thing. Mm-hmm. What I would say about internalized misogyny, and this is not something that comes easy to me, but it, I know that it's the right thing, is that when there is someone, when there is a woman who is rampantly showing the internalized misogyny that has been hammered into her mm-hmm. or into them, I want to hold a space of forgiveness for them. And I want to hold a space of healing for them. Because They've drunk so much of the Kool-Aid that they can't tell that they hate themselves. And that is so deeply sad. They hate themselves. Okay. But, but you have to do the work. Yep. And if these women are in positions of power where like they're, I've had female Are we talking about corporate now? We're going corporate? Okay. If we're going going corporate, if we're going corporate, I'll transition over. In the work environment, in the corporate environment, there's just, I think that there's a, another sort of layer that gets added in, Jenny, which is that okay, there's so I'll only, wait for that. 
no, no, I can say it now. It's there's only so yeah. many seats at the table. You know, we right, we say is... we say for high performing men, we say there's as many seats as you need. High performing women, there's only so many seats. This is why white women historically have not helped black women and women of color. Because there's only so many seats and we need to succeed. There's five seats at the table. Babe, no, there's as many seats at the table as there need to be. But what happens is we get women who go up the chain, who get get through the sexual harassment, who get through the scapegoating, who get through the office politics, who survive and claw and get their way however it takes them, get their way up to the top. And they're like, I want to watch you work. I want to watch you suffer your way up to the top, just like I had to. There's a vindictiveness yeah. there. There's a misogyny there. But there's also that prevailing instinct that men, whether they mean it or not, are generating in a corporate, in a traditional corporate workplace, which says, there's five seats at the table for you. Who do you want at that table? And you're like, oh shit, it needs to be me. Obviously, that's one. Now there's four left. And we talked about this in our live. And we talk about this actually a a fair bit of the feeling of needing to be safe in the corporate environment. Women need to feel safe. Black women and women of color need to feel safe in the workplace. And the world at large. And the world at large. But they really need it in the workplace. And there is very little space left for them at the table. Because women that have worked their way up to the top tend to disproportionately be white women. Because white men have no problem disseminating information. That's not true. But yes. Okay, white men less problem. have less problems disseminating internal office, important internal office politics, information, like things that will help you succeed onto white women rather than disseminating onto black women and women of color. Or and then white in the LGBTQ space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As well. And then mm-hmm. also there's the ableism and the fat phobia mm-hmm. that comes in as well. There's so many different lenses that really are like, if I'm gonna give you this chance, this is a white man speaking to anyone else. If I'm going to give you this chance to succeed, you need to hit a couple markers here. And those markers are going to be, are you white? Great. Yeah, you're a woman, but you're white. So at least you've got that. You know, this is very, that it's very like, I'll give you a little bit and you're going to have to make the best of it. And women really struggle in the workplace because of it. White women. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have skin in the game. You gotta show that you're willing to bleed for the company. And you have to be super loyal. You have to be taking on more than your fair share. You have to be, you have to be the group mom. So it makes sense. So this, so this promotion or this chance makes sense. Yep. And then you can't be promoted on your promise. You have to be promoted on your, what you show, how much you've bled. Yeah. 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 And then you become a, you become an only or an other mm-hmm. in the workspace. And this mm-hmm. is drastically magnified when it comes to black people and people of color, but, and then disproportionately magnifies down onto black women and women of color of being the only, mm-hmm. of being the other, and also members of the LGBTQ uh, plus community. So look, if you're in a corporate space and it's built for white men, the rules benefit white men. Yeah. So I think that the thing for me that I've seen, and I think that we're, we're having, we're having, this is what folks are reaching out about is that there are women in positions of power. And I understand what you're saying. Like they're saying you have to pay the dues, you pay your dues. Like I did too. Yep. There's something more there. When I have, I have seen like women in kind of like that VP area, um, director, like senior director or VP level where they're kind of stuck. They're stymied. They're not going to make that C level. But they're at the top, they're the top woman. Uh, a lot of times they're the only woman in like the tech space because it's kind of pre- tech or like marketing or advertising or sales where I've kind of seen it more. Okay. And they, I've seen this happen with 
a handful of women where they will literally go for other women in junior spots, like in meetings, like they will, they are the first to throw another woman under the bus. If a woman asks a question or a woman like seeks clarification on things, I've seen that like just in an instant, this switch where they just go for that woman and teach her, her, put her in her place. So head on head, but it just seems so much more insidious and violent and unnecessary when a woman does it to another woman. I agree. And I've seen it many times. I don't know if you have any. I don't come across loads of women in what I do, okay. but what I would okay. say is that that misogyny is very strong. They're doing the work of the patriarchy. I mean, that that's, you know, that's one of the amazing tricks that the patriarchy ingrains into women is that women are your competition. So if you, and look, there's a lot of stuff that ties into this, Jenny, like from a real world example, like there's ageism mm-hmm. there. If you're a senior yes. level and you're looking at a junior level, you're talking about an age disparity. So there's ageism mm-hmm. that goes into that, right? You are useless after a or certain a age. Within the- or a perceived age disparity. Yes. Okay. So there's that because ageism in women, you know, once women... Fuckable. Well, yeah, once you're no longer fuckable, what's your purpose? I don't understand what you're here for. Mm-hmm. And, um, dis- and women disappear after and, that. And women have to fight to be visible. Yeah. Uh-huh. So there's that. Yeah. There's there's just the standard sort of internalized misogyny, which is there should be no other competition from women in the room. There is There are only so many seats at the table, and I don't think you've worked hard enough. I don't think people are treating you shit enough. Because mm. I guarantee that someone in a senior level has gone through a system or a has gone on a career journey where they've before interactions between men and women were a bit more controlled from an HR perspective of like, you couldn't like slap their ass and call them babe. Mm -hmm. They probably went through fucking hell because they got sexually harassed every day and they don't maybe see that happening as much. They think that younger women aren't suffering enough in order to Mm -hmm. earn their position. Mm -hmm. So they take it upon, I mean, I can only conjecture. They can take it upon themselves to make this younger junior member suffer like they suffered there's a lot going on there and there's personal i understand when you're talking about personal experience of this happening there's you're dealing with an individual person who has trauma and who has baggage that they carry around with them and we could never understand that because we could never live their life but but we what we do know is that in a patriarchal society we are raised to hate women and what we do know is that in a systemically racist and a systemically misogynist corporate workplace we are raised to view women as competition we are raised to or hate as and yeah, or as the help yeah absolutely so if you get too far above your place you need to constantly reaffirm to the patriarchy i'm safe for you like i will f- i will do the work that you can no longer do because you can't you mr white ceo board member you can't shout at this junior woman because she could potentially get you on like a, a harassment charge of some kind or you know sexism of some kind like there mm. could be something but you can't do that to me wow so i think there needs to be a space of forgiveness and a, a space of healing for these women because what a cognitive dissonance to have to work your way up the corporate ladder, to have to work so hard and experience so much and like push yourself every day to get through situations that must have been hostile, othering only. Traumatic. Traumatic, deeply traumatic. You went home, you cried, you went in the bathroom, you cried, da 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 And then you see another woman and a voice in your head, maybe not so clear as a voice, maybe it's just a mood, it's a feeling, it's an influence that says you hate her. She's a woman, she's less than. And it's coming from you. Yeah. The term uh, cognitive dissonance 
is used to describe the <laughs> mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, yep. values, or attitudes. People tend to seek consistency in their attitudes, so this conflict causes feelings of unease or discomfort. So yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I love calling out the cognitive dissonance there. And I just want to, I just kind of want to like, we're going to kind of draw this one to a close because we could talk about this all day. But I feel like if you're in a situation where you have someone senior who is lambasting you or trying to make you smaller than you are and you kind of had hoped for a sisterhood or just a support, just realize, A, it's not you. Yeah. This is all part of the patriarchy, which is what Lisa and I, why Lisa and I have been doing what we do. And just, this is why we say, like, if you have a support group of people that are real and our, and our men or women or anyone in your corporate structure, it's great. It's, it's awesome to find like-minded people and build each other up because you are all facing different, very, these things to varying degrees. And this is a time when you really need a support system. But if you are alone in a company and you are facing this, it's a, it's a real rough spot to be in. And it's a hard thing to report. It's a hard thing to even record because it's, it's like a, it's a mental manipulation of sorts. I, I reported, um, when I reported sexual harassment the first time to my VP, rather than after, after I went to HR, her first comment to me was like, well, you're not perfect yourself. And I had to be like, no, yeah, I'm that's letting you know that you have a senior member of your management team speaking inappropriately and in a sexual manner towards a junior member on your management team. And it's a problem. But I had to plead my case for why this was sexual harassment and why this was a problem. Mm -hmm. And this is a woman who I respected I had asked to be my mentor at one point, and then my manager told me that she wasn't allowed to be my man my my mentor, which was such a huge red flag because he was threatened by her. A woman who spoke on equality, like she was a public speaker about equality and about women's issues and women's rights, and and I did not expect it at all from her. Mm. Um, and there have been many women that I've come come into contact with that I really thought, okay, like I'm going to take this job because this woman is amazing and I'm so excited to learn from her, only to turn around and realize, oh, wait a second, she's not an ally. She is not a confidant. She is not a mentor. She is, she is either threatened by me or just really hates me. <laughs> so... I think that it's it's a really tough spot to be in. Court, the corporate world is hard, and there are a lot of things that are held up as sisterhood and diversity and inclusion and all of these these well-meaning initiatives if they are not backed by people in power that are trying to embolden, empower, and further the career growth of marginalized groups. They are completely worthless, and they can be more harmful than anything else. I agree. Um, I guess we're at what's good. Yeah. You go first. <laughs> okay. So I have the stupid, the stupidest what's good of all. Okay. Okay. So I watched this show on Netflix. Oh. I just canceled my, I just canceled my Netflix account. So that's very sad, but I have like another three weeks left in it. It's just, they raise their prices and like, it's just too much. So anyway, there's a show called it's just cake. Oh, I thought it was called Is It Cake? Whatever. Okay. It's called something. They talked about cake. Rufus anyway, loves the show, when by I way. first When I first watched the show, I was like, oh my God, like the dumbing down of, the dumbing down of America. It's complete. But I want to say, like, 
first of all, what an incredible way to highlight these incredible artists. Yep. Because it's an art form. It is. And people that were on the show were like, it was a very eclectic mix of people. And what that show did, which I thought was so incredible, was it fostered this beautiful community mm-hmm. of these artisans. And then the host was like so kind, corny as, as all get out. But like, mm. just, there was like this love and they were genuinely excited when people won. And then all of the, the celebrities that came on were so kind and generous in their, in their critiques and their appreciation of what they were there for. And I think like we have so many reality TV shows and, and just this like kind of romantic romanticizing of competitive hate and anger and like Mm. just kind of like this fouling of humanity but this show it was just like like this love fest and I thought it was so neat to watch and then the person that wins ultimately is just amazing and oh my god just really left me with like warm fuzzies and okay I feel like there's not a lot of content that does that right now Okay, I'm going to watch it. Sign me up. I'm into it. Cool. My what's good is Alexis Nicole. So Alexis Nicole is on Instagram as Black Forager. She's also on TikTok. She, oh my God, her videos always brings, she's so goofy, so silly. Yeah. I love how she's always running and always making crazy faces. Mm-hmm. And she has, for me, I always have really loved the foraging aspect, especially since I moved over to England because there's so many natural things that you can just sort of pick up because we're surrounded by so much forest and so much open land. And then like you can access rivers and there's so much with the natural National Trust properties and land. There's just a lot of land that is open for people to roam and forage. And I really love that. And I've learned a little bit and I kind of haven't been so back in and I haven't been so involved in it. And now I'm back into it again and I'm just loving it. And it's a great way to connect with your environment. And it's a great way to connect with just the earth in general anyway, because we're so in our heads and we're so on phones and we're so in tech that it's a really lovely thing to ground yourself with like, you know, bare feet in the grass, walking around, digging in the dirt, that kind of stuff. I think that's such a natural joy and and so important for us to connect back with. Anyway, at Black Forager, you will not be disappointed. She is joy incarnate. She is vegan, which I love because I do honestly feel that veganism and environmental equity ties in deeply to feminism. I can I can do a mini episode on that another time, but I feel like the 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 parody of it of it all just really ties together and she is just amazing. And she talks often about indigenous aspects of plants and of gathering and foraging techniques. And she is black and she talks at length about why it's important that she is, she's called herself the black forager and why subsistence on wild food and learning about wild food is so important in a, in an abolition sense as well. So I love that. I love her. So, yep. So she's black forager on Instagram. Yes. Um, On TikTok, she is Alexis Nicole, but it's Nicole with a K. Yes, it is. Her name is Alexis Nicole Nelson. And there's actually an article on about her on Bon Appetit that was published about a year ago. 
Well, she's got a cookbook um, coming out as well. Yeah, so which I can't so wait. So just there, there are some <laughs> Alexis Nicoles with a C, but she's Alexis Nicole with a K. Yes, so. and once you see her, you'll never forget her face. No, she's, she's just the sweetest, cute. Every time she pops up in my feed, she makes me so. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. I love it. Well, okay. So thanks for listening, uh, Lisa. It was so great to be back on the horn with you after three weeks. Hard. Um, we are not. Uh, we follow us, like, subscribe, leave us a review. Hopefully the sound is getting better. So those of you who are just barely hanging on can be fully invested again. Thank you to all of our new listeners. We are so excited that you're here and just amazed that um, we get to do this every week or every three weeks. We are at Dear Patriarchy Pod at Facebook and Instagram, though we're most active on Instagram, patriarchy underscore pod at Twitter. Send us your thoughts, questions, vents, whatever, what's good at to our Gmail, patriarchypod at gmail.com. And as always, love, light, and good night. Good night.